G'day, welcome to For the Love of Brick. I'm Greg McDonald, and I love Lego. And if you're listening to this, you probably love Lego as well. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing people from all over the world about their love of Lego and the unique ways in which it features in their lives. So sit back and enjoy For the Love of Brick. Today, I'll be interviewing Kale Frost from Frost Bricks. Kale is a brick artist and toy photographer who's featured on Brothers Brick and in Blocks magazine. He was also a contestant on the first season of Lego Masters Australia. G'day, Kale. How you doing? Good. Self? Not too bad. Uh, so, first things first, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, a little bit about myself. I knew these questions were coming and yet I have done no prep. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so, for those who don't know me, I'm a Lego artist and toy photographer. I build lots with Lego. It has become my main day-to-day -day job. Um, but if you're within the Lego world, you probably know my builds and my creations yep. and my stuff I've done through various channels. So what's one of your favourite builds you've done? Nah, my favourite build is always the next one. The next one? Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Um, I, I think that quiet sense of dissatisfaction is one of those things that drives you forward as an artist. Never happy with what I've just done. I can only ever look back and see the things I could have done better and hence... The next one is, is you know, going to fix that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the next one is always better. And that's what keeps you moving forward as an artist. Are there builds you've built? Let's say the Timberwolf. Yep. And have you come back to it and went, oh, actually, no, I think I can do this differently? Or are you like, once it's done, it's done, I'll move on to the next project? No, generally I'm of the opinion that a mock is never finished. You yep. can always come back, you can always rebuild. The Timberwolf though, it's interesting you mention that because that's a special example. That was one of those builds that just kind of popped into the head, fully formed and was over and done in I think less than eight hours. Might have even been less than six. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just... I'd had this conversation during the day with a mate who is a big Battletech fan. He's like, the Timberwolf... And, and like I took it as a challenge, and he probably didn't mean it that way, but that's how I'm wired. I'm like, ah, oh, make a Timberwolf. I can do that. I can see how that starts. That starts with the cockpit and getting that, that iconic nose shape going and then extending back from there. And, yeah, by the next day, I had one sitting <laughs> myself. And, and it was just, it was fully formed in that way. And there's a few more steps along the way for that process, mind you. But, um, yeah, it's fully formed there. And Whereas I've got this Donkey Kong arcade thing that I have come back to again and again and again and sunk weeks of my life into and will continue to, I'm sure, because I'm still not happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> I know the feeling, especially on the, you know, just being able to try and redo things. Um, like I've got a, it's a factory and the amount of times I've just pulled that apart, like, you know, because it's all motorised and so forth and... But, yeah, GBC stuff. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you use a computer program or anything like Like, do you use Studio? It is Studio. 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 Yeah. Do you use anything like that or are you like, no, it's all in the head and I know when I go to my bricks, I know what I need and 
No, I prefer to free build. Free There's build, a yeah. million bricks in my studio. Yeah. Um, and it's just easier to kind of get hands-on and that process. And I love that process of being hands-on with it. I love nothing better than the sound of hands going through Lego and the sound they make. Yeah. And then clicking them together. Because computer programs, yes, while I can use them and certainly do stuff with them, they don't take physics into account. And there's also things you can do with it that kind of take the art out of it as well. Yeah. Like it's very easy to make a voxel program and then turn it into bricks, yep. where it's a lot harder to get realistic curves and that requires you basically being hands-on and trying a hundred things that don't work before yep. striking on the one thing that does. That does, yeah, mm. that's it exactly. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever get a bit like, ah, oh, especially when it comes time to having to resort them? <laughs> put them away because <laughs> uh, I, I, I spend weeks doing the um the pack down <laughs> yeah no it's there is still piles of lego that need sorting after the last major um display they were in and honestly this well cross fingers this is the year i have staff to do that for me because i hate sorting i hate yeah. it <laughs> but it has to be done yeah i just got a bulk lot the other day and uh <laughs> the sorting it never ends yeah um, now, you also do school incursions. Do you still do school incursions? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I probably should step back a little. Um, again, more in terms of introduction. Um, go back five years, seven now. I yep. was working in graphic design. Yep. And, and yeah, that was my day-to-day -day job. And then a few things kind of changed. I, my son had a difficult birth. Um, he's fine now. Yep. And little bit by little bit, I started getting drawn into this Lego world and people started letting me know very, very clearly that they loved what I was doing with little Lego bricks and a camera. And that's, I took it as the universe sending me a sign. Yep. Um, and so I've kind of kept with that idea of, well, the universe is reaching out in that way and people are saying, we love what you're doing. No, no, we really love it to the point we want to give you money to do it. <laughs> I should nice. listen to that. Yep. And that's led to a lot of doors that have opened along the way that I don't think I would have seen or could have anticipated in any other way, shape or form. And amongst these, yes, absolutely, school incursions. School incursions kind of came about in that way. Just a friend who's a teacher said, hey, you know, you've been on this show, the kids loved it, do you want to come down and do a building session with them? And I'm like, oh, I hadn't even really thought of that as a thing. But you know what, let's give it a shot. And so I go down and I do, back to back, I do three classrooms for about an hour and a half each. It was, oh, I can't nice. remember the deets. Yep. Um, and and I, we run a few little exercises and do a few little things with them. And the teachers in the room have never seen the kids more engaged. <laughs> and they're just looking at me like I've just done magic with these kids and taken them to new amazing places. And, and being, orchestrating that and being the one guiding that at the same time, it's great to watch. Yeah. And it's like, and, and yeah, absolutely. It felt like the universe was saying, you know what, Kale, you got the knack for this. You, yeah. you should be pursuing this. At this point, it's mostly been word of mouth from that. It's grown. Yeah. I haven't actively pushed it. I haven't actively promoted it. And yeah, it's, there is something really magical about being in the room and showing kids how to do things that we teach in classrooms in very specific ways, but like if you say Pythagorean triples, kids' eyes glaze over. They don't know what you mean. <laughs> Put a handful of studs in their hand, give them a base plate and a couple of lengths of plate, and they do. They get it intuitively yeah. in ways that you wouldn't automatically 
think that they know, but they do know, and you're just unlocking it and reminding them that they intuitively know this. You thought you weren't going to use maths in life. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> maths and physics and engineering. Yeah, well, again, it's, it's the same thing, you know. It's they, they intuitively know it, but, yeah, it's that understanding. Likewise, we automatically assume kids are creative, and the truth is they're not really. Creativity is a skill that's taught like any other. Yeah. Um, and it underpins pretty much everything they'll ever do in any field, and yet still they need to have the ability to go, how do I come up with a better idea and a better solution for problem X? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, thinking yeah. outside the box. I was going to ask you how they respond when they see the Lego. <laughs> you pretty much just said it. They're like straight into it. My kit involves probably, and I haven't counted specifically, but 200,000 bricks. Yep. Easy. You dump that in the middle of the classroom. And yes, there is an element of, wow, I've never seen so much Lego, but there are layers to that. Um, and again, stuff we take for granted and yet maybe shouldn't, um, especially when it comes to childhood development. You look at a pile of Lego and you just see Lego. Yep. So there's a step to breaking it down into, no, that's brick, that's plate, that's of X length or colour or shape or whatever. Yep. And that pattern recognition stuff is absolutely another skill that it helps actively develop. So that awareness of your general surroundings and the ability to go, well, I need a two-by-six plate to connect these parts together, I'm looking at 50,000 bricks, <laughs> where's a two-by-six plate? Yeah. Yeah, that's a skill yeah. that they need. Um, and it's say. little things like that, especially on the early childhood development stuff, where, especially even younger, actually, um, the under fives, uh, there's this thing where they can happily sit down in front of a pile of Lego for half an hour, hour, whatever, yep. and if you haven't given them particular direction and guidance, they're just exploring the parts and holding up and going, look what I found, yeah. and look what I found. And for them, it's the most magical thing because they're discovering treasure in this pile. Um, and meanwhile, the kind of educator, I guess, in me, and, and that's for want of a better word, yep. uh, is looking at them doing this and thinking about the skills it is indeed helping them form and develop that, as they're yeah. doing that. And they are important skills. And there's a, I could rattle off a whole list of other skills that you see happen just by putting Lego in front of them and giving them guided activities yep. that, again, we take for granted but probably shouldn't. And it's through the use of that tool that they are developing those skills. Yep. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's humbling to be part of it and awesome. And yeah. Yeah, this bulk pile, I've got my baby boy, he's like two, and he just runs straight for it and he's just on the ground. Tire. It's like, there you go. What's your fondest memory of Lego? My fondest memory of Lego. So for those who are listening. I'll take a photo. On the shelf over <laughs> here is a little blue garage. So that little blue garage, and that's not the exact one, but it is the same model. That was the very, very first Lego set I got. It was given to me by my granddad. I would have been maybe three, four, maybe five years yep. old. I don't remember. Um, what I do remember is sitting down at a table and building it with him, and it is one of the fondest memories I have of him. Um, I did not have a very happy childhood at all, yep. and he was dead very soon thereafter, mm. a heart attack um, at a, you know. Um, so I don't have many other memories of him at all. 
but yeah, that that's that moment in time of sitting there building it with him is yeah one of the very few shining happy memories of my childhood, and in probably led to a lot of my other Lego fascination yeah. down the line. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. It, it was for a while, it was my unicorn set. I went out to uh, specifically look for... Trying to find it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I think mine was the police station. Um, yeah, same thing. My parents were like, you know, I came back, where's all my Lego? I'm back into it. And then they're like, no, we, no, it's no longer here. It's like, oh. Yeah, I had the same story. Teenage years, I had a massive Apple box full of it. <laughs> then a few years later, I'm like, where's that Apple box? Nope. Yeah, no. It's now my sewing box. <laughs> um, what sets do you like to build? Um, like, are you, like when you're not mocking? Like, yeah, is there no, any sort no, of... no. It's funny, actually, because I don't build sets. I, not really. Yep. The last set I built, again, for those that are hard, uh, right now, if there is an empty space where Lego can be displayed in the house, there's Lego being displayed in there. Yep. So for me to bring a new set in, it means it needs to display something old. Yep. And so that's usually the benchmark. And that benchmark over time has gotten pretty high. Yep. The last one I built, actually from instructions, was the UCS Batmobile. The 89 Batmobile. Yeah, good one, I'm a isn't it? Huge oh, superhero yeah, fan. Yeah, no, I've got that one. Of, yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's going to displace the tumbler. Ah. That's just, yeah, the tumbler will get broken down in its place. I do still get a lot of Lego. Yep. And it usually is just for the parts. Yeah, no, I'm the same. Like, people buy me Lego and I'm like, okay, and I build it just so I can practice with it. And then it's, sorry everyone, but then I dismantle it and it goes onto the wall of Lego that will be built into something else. On that note, I mean, of buying, like, sure, I'll buy the parts for the sets. Yeah. But one of the things that got me into mocking way, and I, I've only been out of my dark ages for a couple of years. Yeah. So um, one of the very first large mocks I built was the Hall of Justice. Yes. It's about two metres wide by about a metre long. <laughs> um, it's all, yeah, two feet tall, about 60 centimetres tall. Yeah. So not huge, but there's a lot of... And that all started with the very simple seed of I'd gotten a lot of superhero sets because I'm a big superhero fan and I wanted them to kind of come together in a way that kind of worked as opposed to just lots of mini little things yeah. everywhere. And so I still will, like, Spider-Ham's coming down the line this year. Love Spider-Ham. He's coming into the house. Yep. All the rest of the parts are just going into a pile. You know? <laughs> and that's true of pretty much most superhero sets that come through the house. Yeah. Um, and a lot of superhero sets come through the house. So you're like, I'm just here for the minifigure. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for the minifigure. I'm going to do some cool stuff with this. And the rest of the parts can just get thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Well, in, into the sorting into the piles. Into the sorting piles. Be turned into other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, we're never after, mm. you know, like as in, there's never enough Lego. My wife says, have you got enough? And I'm like, oh, yes. But then it's like, oh, you know, I might want to build something. Can I have that one thing? <laughs> I know. A million bricks in my studio and I'm always looking for... More. <laughs> do you ever find you forget about bricks? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so as in, like, I've got all my bricks sorted on the wall, blah, blah, blah. And I'll build something. And then at the end of it, I'll be like, oh, I could have used that brick, right? Like, you know, you find it 
Like, you know, that needle, it's just that afterthought. You didn't see the forest or the trees. You're just like, I could have used that brick to actually get that angle better. No, I, I think what you're saying there, um, from a creativity aspect, I've got a pretty complete library of, of available possible parts. Yep. And so uh, I tend to build a lot slower like I'll have projects go over long periods of time uh -huh. because I'll be like mm, this part or combination of parts can do that better than you know it, it, that's the right solution but I don't have those parts so I'm going to wait on a bricklink order to make it happen yep um, but yeah part of it is actually absolutely understanding what's available to do whatever it is you want to do um, and, and being able to get your hands on those parts to do it yeah so yeah what are your hints and tips for someone wanting to go, like, because my, my photos, they're not the best, they're not the worst, but they're meh. Um, yeah, for up-and-coming photographers. Like, oh. do you have a background in photography or are you just... No, I don't. Um, how I got into photography and with Lego, it started with a Lego 365 project. So a photo a day, every day of Lego. Yep. And it was started solely so I could get good at Lego. And trust me, those first few photos sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the secret of life, you know. The secret to getting good at anything is starting by sucking at it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, because you do. You have to make lots and lots of mistakes and learn and learn and learn. So, anyway, yeah, I started this project for photography because I felt I was no good at photography and I wanted to get better at it. Yeah. Took a photo every day. I was putting them up online on Instagram and Flickr. And nobody was watching. Nobody. <laughs> nobody cared. No, they were awful photos. I wouldn't have cared either. Fast forward to day 82. I, mean, I think it was day 82. I'd have to look it up exactly. But anyway, I'm rushing out of the house. I take this quick little photo of a stormtrooper with a guitar in his hand, busking. I do it on my back step as the missus is at the front step saying, come on, time to get moving, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So done under those kind of pressures. And then I get home. Uh, a couple of hours later, after we've gone out and done whatever it was we were headed out to do, and find a whole bunch of messages of people who'd loved it. Uh, my, it all of a sudden, there's actually people following me on Instagram for the <laughs> photography. Uh, and not just telling me how much they love it, but saying, I want a copy of that print. No, no, here's my money. Give me a copy of that print. And that's like what I was saying earlier about the universe sending signs. Yep. I'd never had anybody really react to anything I'd done creatively so clearly, so obviously. So I took it uh, as a sign. Yeah. Okay, I've, there's something here. I should, I should explore this. I should give more energy to it. Um, and that's how it took off. Uh, that was the first one. Um, and, yeah, Busking Stormtrooper. You've yeah, probably seen I've it. seen it. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it started there. But it really did start from that simple seed of, I suck at this, I want to get good at it. How do I get good at it? And that there's nothing I can give in terms of tips that is better than try. Yep. Learn. Um, make mistakes. Mistakes are where the learning happens, you know, and you've got to do all that and go through that process. And this is going back now, coming up probably on five years, there wasn't a lot of people doing that in that space yep. at that time. Um, I th now, 
there are quite a few more people doing it and they've taken it to new levels and there is always that sense of playing a little catch-up and certainly initially one of the things I spent a lot of energy on was trying to open up extra spaces including real physical spaces to help other people get into it yeah and other people have followed suit and that has started to happen and that's great to see and great to be involved in and great to have helped happen um but yeah get out there try if you want to make better photos take photos just keep doing it yeah uh some very specific tips i can give uh in terms of materials you don't need to spend a lot yeah the camera is never a limitation until it actually is uh the best camera you've got is always the one you've got with you yeah for lots of people that's just the one you've got on your phone and that's okay that's good you can make do with desk lamps scrounged from around the house baking paper Wrapped around them will diffuse, diffuse the light, make them a little cleaner. Alfoil will make a good reflector. Yep. You know, all of those things are in your house right now. <laughs> Just I, MacGyver it. <laughs> I still use that. I've got a tub of bulldog clips that I use to put all kinds of stuff on. Yep. You know, when it comes to gel, I haven't, you know, you know coloured gels yeah, for no lights and gels, stuff. Yep. Cellophane. You'll find that in any party store, yeah. you know. Two dollars gets you a big pile. You know, no need to spend lots of money on it. I'd much rather be spending it on the Lego, Lego. itself. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yes, I have upgraded my camera and spent money on a good lens. But again, that's not the limitation until it actually is. Good lens in the hand of somebody that doesn't know what they're doing and what they're seeking to achieve is not going to do anything for you. Yeah, that's it exactly. Um, yeah, you need to know exactly what you're trying to achieve with that lens and use that as the tool to get you closest to where you want to be. Because yep. I think one of the other things I've said, you're always in that pursuit of perfection. And perfection is an ideal over the edge of the horizon that I don't think you can ever quite reach. Yeah. But you've got to get as close as you can. Yeah. You know? It's like chasing that rainbow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, chasing rainbows. Absolutely, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Now, there are, I think, I would suggest to you certain basic rules that can help you with the photography. Yep. Personally, my ethos is all about creating small worlds. Oh, okay. Um, and so in that kind of pursuit of creating small worlds, I'm treating them as if though, like, there's that play between kind of drawing the viewer into the world and, and making them think it's real. Yeah. That's always there to some level whenever I take a photo. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that kind of interplay of creating a small world and, and, and my missus will articulate this to you far more than I ever will because I don't think of it on a conscious level usually. She's kind of had that chance to do so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, creating that whimsy and that sense that it's a small world that you actually exist in parallel to the little Lego guys. So as ways to do that, get down on eye level with them, with your subjects. Oh, okay, yep. Um, and that helps create that, that sense that you're in their world, yep. as opposed to bringing the camera from above from it above. where you'd ordinarily see it, because that gives you a bird's eye view of that world, and that kind of distances you from it slightly. Likewise, get up and use your chance to really frame properly and, yep. and, and capture. Um, and use depth of field as well. Get the camera close, and that'll help blur out anything Everything that's behind and change the way it looks. Um, so you do sell a lot of your prints and so forth online? Like I know on your website you you know sell your yeah. prints. I started a market stall selling them. I was about to say, because I saw you at Brickvention selling yep. them as well. Um, 
well, I'm not sure I've put as much effort into the business side of it as yeah. I could because I'm an artist. I'm not, <laughs> not a business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's certainly limited, you know, what you can do. And then, you know, other stuff comes up and you're focusing on other stuff. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Do sell prints. Um, they're up on places like Redbubble. I get my check from Redbubble every month for them. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure I'm putting as much energy into creating new stuff and new art um, as I probably could. Well, as I'd like to, really. Yeah. Because um, certainly I'd love to do things like the coffee table book. Um, oh, yes, nice. And, and yep. yeah, take it further and do more with it. Um, but it would be good, yeah, I guess. It's, there's other things that, you know, get in the way yeah. as, you, as you move along. Life and more building. Yeah, well, <laughs> and see, that's the thing. I mean, because of late, that's, that's what's kind of taken off. People, and what does sell more readily, and, and I'm, flabbergasted I didn't know there was quite the the world or demand out there for it but Lego instructions uh, yeah because I just take it for granted can't everybody create can't everybody do this I mean I can it's easy for me surely it's easy for yeah. everybody else yeah. I'm not special and so yeah that's very much more actively been selling um, and starting to provide a lot more is just simply making instructions for basic models available oh, sweet. And taking on commissions, and those yep. are the things that have been taking up more of my time and paying more of the bills. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's great. And that actually brings me on to my next question. Yep. Um, Lego Ideas. Oh, the food stand the diners. food stand yep. diners. Um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> what was it like, you know, to have 10,000 people go, wow, that's, you know, I, I know. like that. I know. Um, it was kind of weird. That was uh, another one of those kind of... It grew out of the 365 project. Yep. I took a photo of, I think it was the fry stand initially, um, and a little temporary burger in there. I had a few other little things in there. I'd, I'd really done the photo as a way of showcasing the CMF figure, <laughs> uh, the diner figure, yep. because I'd gotten sent a box of the CMF Lego figures by Lego, yep. and I for purposes of taking photos with them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've taken this photo. I've gone off. I've done other things, you know, busy life. Come back, and this thing has gotten 30,000 shares from Flickr alone. Um, and, you know, within the week it had been picked up by Brothers Bricks and a few other places. And again, it's one of those things that slowly, gradually happened because I'm like, oh, is that the universe sending me a sign? Yeah. Okay, I maybe should do this. I, I should turn it into the rest of the full meal. I've had somebody in the local community come and say, hey, I want a actual built model of that. Tell me how much it's going to cost. I've got my checkbook open. Um, so I did. <laughs> and so I put it up on Lego Ideas. And I don't... My thought as I did that was like, well, I'm not going to promote this. Yeah. If I have to promote this, it's not going anywhere. It won't be any good. So I just left it there. And it went great guns. Like, it just was amazing, the interest and the excitement from others and, and the attention it got. And, yeah, people were absolutely lining up and saying, I love this, I love this, I love this. Um, and, yeah, it got to 10,000 all by itself just yep. because it was a cute build that was unlike anything else, I guess. Yeah. And, and, you know, people were responding. Um, and the fact you didn't have to promote it. <laughs> well, again, I mean, I know a lot of people will tell you that you have to promote it, but 
I, my vision, my thought was always a little bit more long-term. Yeah. doesn't matter if it gets to 10,000 if it doesn't get produced. And it didn't in the end. Yeah. And, and, you know, who knows why. Um, but it was never about, like, if I have to promote it, that's a surefire answer for it will not get turned into a set. Because if I had to promote it, that's not, it's not doing it enough by itself yeah. on its own merits. Um, so, yeah, that was why I took that approach. And, yes, that meant that everything that it got in terms of response was 100% organic. organic yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, I would have thought it was a real contender, but, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, because um, <laughs> I know a lot of people wanted it for the roller coaster. <laughs> And there were a couple of pieces of feedback I keep getting again and again and again. Oh, this would go great is with Roller Coaster Tycoon. I've never actually played Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gamer, sure, but it never occurred to me making that thing. I was thinking real food. I'm thinking foodie. Yeah. I live in Melbourne and I am a bit of a foodie. Yeah. I love food. And the idea that they can be turned around and they're replicas of real actual food was a beautiful thing to me, yeah. you know, and what I wanted to kind of showcase so that they look great on both a foodie shelf and incorporated into your Lego city. Yeah. Um, but more recently, uh, in light of the Australian bushfires, yeah. I finally pulled the lead out and turned them into actual instructions and got them out there yeah. as a way of just basically bushfire relief yeah. uh, fundraising. And, oh, that's good. And, yeah, um, have, I don't have exact numbers on how many got sold, but, you know, it's helped raise a lot of money yeah. well, for good. Australian bushfire relief by doing that. Yeah. So, you know, and you got your set out there as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for people to build. They got, it got knocked back by Lugger Ideas, what, middle of last year? They yep. announced who got through that round. And yet still, twice a week, every week, until I actually did release them, I was getting emails or messages or whatever saying, I loved your food stands, can you give me some instructions? So, you know, like, I wanted to find a way to give that to people yeah. that didn't step on the wrong toes because I shouldn't be doing um, an idea set for profit. There is actually a time frame. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, people want this. Yeah. And so, okay, how do I balance that? How do I give it back in a way that is meaningful, makes them happy, and does makes the world a better place? Yeah. And the, the answer, certainly in, in the middle of December, January, when those bushfires were raging, yeah. it just was a crystal clear answer. Hang on. People want this, and that's the need it can meet. You know, there are people in regional areas who need this help. Yeah. That's it exactly. And this is the vet, one small thing I can do to do that yeah um and so it seemed a, a no-brainer at the time and yeah yeah it's that's why it's out there and that's why it's in instruction form and making people happy sweet yeah and did you have fun making the instructions <laughs> i hated making instructions there's a reason it took that long there's a huge learning curve and i'm graphic design by trade i'm like oh you know i could talk about fonts for hours uh what are some of the highlights of being a lego builder Highlights of being a Lego builder. Oh, that's a, I don't know. Look, it, I don't think of myself as anything special or a fancy Lego builder. Um, but, of course, over the last 12 months, I've been reminded in various ways, shapes and forms, including being on national television, that I am. 
something special. And it doesn't feel like it, but that's not up to me. Yeah. Um, and I guess when you're talking about the highlights of, of the, the journey and, and what that means is the way that it keeps inspiring people and, and the reactions you get from others yep. and the smiles, very specifically the smiles it brings to their faces. Likewise, and I, I won't talk about it in any length because, you know, for various reasons, yep. but I was involved in a certain show that was on national TV. Yep. It's now over six months later. And what keeps happening and is continuing to happen while most of the country's forgotten and they're like, oh, do I know you from somewhere? I can't place you. There is still a very specific kind of person that comes up to me on the street and says, thank you for being on that show. And that's an odd choice of words. Yeah. Um, and for a while it had gotten lost in all the other noise yep. of, of people coming up and saying, hey, I loved what you did, whatever. But... Those are continuing to happen very, very regularly. And, yeah, like I said, it's not choice of words. And basically, once you start to dissect it or examine it or question it further, what they're really doing is saying, thank you for representing the odd ducks, yep. the freaks, the geeks, the, the weirdos, my son who has autism or my sister who has X or whatever. It's always somebody close to them yeah. who is, would be described as not normal and they've seen somebody on national TV who was succeeding because of their differences, not in spite of. Yep. And to be clear, I've got ADHD, yep. so I'm not neurotypical. I have, my eldest son is very definitely on the autism spectrum. And yeah, the thing that keeps coming back again and again and again is that idea of thank you for representing and showing that because we're different, that's a strength that we have. It's not a disability, it's just a different ability. Yeah. And if we treat it as a different ability, there is a road to success. Yeah. And you've shown us that that's there because you've lived it and done it. <laughs> and that's, yeah, what they're thanking me for. And and that's, it's awesome in a way to be that inspiration. It's, it's very humbling, very weird no, on many yeah. levels. Um, I'm, I'm an introvert you know, left of my own devices. Um, <laughs> it feels weird to be focused on in that way. But at the same time, it's it's important to give back to the world. Yeah. Um, and, 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 yeah, it's great to be able to give back in that way and do something meaningful, really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and use the platform I've been given and lucky enough to have been given um, to do something meaningful. Very good, yeah. Which is bringing joy and, and, and whatever to those people's lives. So that's what's come out of the Lego journey for me that, that's really meaningful and, and really awesome. But those little moments of making people's lives just better for no other reason than it makes them feel a little happier. Yep. Those are the moments I think have led to most, have been most meaningful yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Um, and because a lot of the work I do really does come back to that idea of putting just the simple belief or, or, or desire to put a smile on somebody's face, they're also the moments that resonate best. Yeah. Um, for no other reason than that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it's a tricky subject to talk about because I, I don't want to put myself on some yeah. kind of pedestal. I don't think I belong there. I don't feel <laughs> comfortable there. 
but at the same time, that's kind of part of what it means to talk about yeah. it, and, and, and you can't um, fully divorce the two. Because it is certainly made very clear that not everybody gets that platform. Yeah. And, and I've, I do have that opportunity. And not everybody who gets that platform uses it in a meaningful way either. Yeah. Um, and, and that's also part of what becomes very clear. Um, and yeah, what that shows about human nature, I don't know. But certainly I've got to witness it in, in full surround technical. <laughs> um, well, it's, mm. as I said, it's one of those things like I've always been a big believer in, you know, do unto others as you want done unto you. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you want to smile, help people smile. Like, you know, that's, that's it. And, yeah, part of that journey is absolutely just live the example I want my kids to see. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm the exact same. Yeah. That's, you know, you know what would what would make yeah. my son proud? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and that's, I want him to live in a it. world where, you know, he doesn't get cyberbullied and so forth like that and all yeah. that sort of jazz. Yeah, and day to day just do what just do I think. You know, work towards the kind of world I want my kids to live in. Yeah, and that's it, it really does come down to that, and I don't even think of it consciously. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's that's what it comes back to. At least they've got a world of Lego at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, the kids take it for granted, um, especially the younger one. He's just like for years actually, he was like, I don't even care much about the Lego dad. And he lives in Lego heaven. Like yeah, he gets yeah. to school at age five and he, he started to have friends come over for play dates and stuff. And they're like, so much Lego. You live in heaven. It's like, do I? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you have a swimming pool. You don't swim. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Kale, last yes. but not least, uh, yes. how can people get a contact of you? Like, what are your socials? Ah, uh, yes, yes, the important part. Self-plug. Yes. Self-plug. <laughs> I am Frostbricks online. I can be found on Instagram, Flickr, Facebook, YouTube, other places. But Frostbricks online, yep. um, easy enough to find, honestly, yeah. Rockin'. Uh, and Frostbricks.com, go along, buy some prints, art designs, yes. whatever. Uh, you can find brick built instructions there. And absolutely, I'm available for school incursions within Melbourne and the northern rural areas of Melbourne. Rockin'. Within two hours drive. Within two hours drive. Which, which includes <laughs> Bendigo and Ballarat, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, so, actually, you're in the good middle section of it, so... Yeah, yeah well, Bendigo and Ballarat are closer than Frankston. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Thank cool. you. No, thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> Rambling kind of roundabout way. That, no, that's the ADHD. No, that's, in, um, <laughs> no, that is perfect. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thanks for listening to For the Love of Brick. We have plenty of great interviews coming up, so if you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. And don't forget to tell your friends. If you want to drop me a line or see what I'm up to, follow me on Facebook, Insta, and Twitter. Happy building, and remember, it's all for the love of brick.